Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now we're going to look at the scripture today. I, my, my, one of my main purposes for being away is to spend some time with the Lord in studying something that I believe with all my heart as I come into the twilight years of my ministry that the church has neglected and some have totally forgotten. And that is Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. That's where we are different from every other religious group in the world. Our God is alive. He is risen. Our God is coming back again. And religious people cannot understand that. All religions are a bunch of do's and don'ts except one. And if you are a real born-again Christian, you're an heir of God and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is alive right this moment. If you ever comprehend that, it'll change every decision you ever make in your life. That he is in you if you are a believer. That old song, you asked me how I know he lives. He lives where? In my heart. I want you to listen uh, this morning from 1 John chapter 4, as he is, so are we. It's what I'm entitling this message. Uh, you're going to hear the other pastors talking a lot about the resurrection as well as, as myself. But today I want to keep us down the path. Brother Stewart did an awesome job last Sunday in setting this up, as did Brother Chuck and Brother Wade. Would you stand with me out of respect to the scripture? 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. 1 John 4, 13. <clears throat> Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Would you look at the fifth chapter, 1 John. This is the epistle of John now in the back of, the, of your scriptures. Verse 1, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. And then in the fifth verse, who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And then, if you will look in the 11th verse of the 5th chapter. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. May God bless the clear teaching of his word. Would you be seated? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, 
It says, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. In 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you and I are still in our sins. As I am away, each day I'm spending about four hours in the scripture. I'm reading, I've, I have to, uh, to read either tonight or tomorrow the book of the Revelation to finish the New Testament. I'm underscoring every scripture that I can find having to do with the fact that Jesus is alive, that he has risen. It has been an incredible experience for me. Let me just say to you in summary, the first four words of scripture in Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God. In the first book of the Old Testament, Genesis, and, and, and in the 26th chapter in the 21st, 24th verse, God said to Isaac, in the beginning, the book of Genesis, here's what he said, do not be afraid, Isaac, for I am with you. When you go to the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. The 28th chapter is the last chapter of that book. The last verse says, Jesus says, Lend lo, I will be with you always. And then when you go to the end of the New Testament, the book of the Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse 21, and the scripture comes to a close. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now, one of the things that you must understand if you're going to understand anything at all about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ is that from the beginning of time until Jesus comes again, God is alive. We live our lives today believing that Jesus died on the cross. We're in the interim period, and one day he's going to come back again. And while we're in this interim period, we're going to push the button or push the, the rock as far as we can to be like the world. Because Jesus is up in heaven somewhere and he's, he's waiting. One day he's going to come back again, but right now I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. Because tomorrow I may be dead. And I'm going to look around and I'm going to see what the world is doing and I don't have any pressure on me. Jesus is not here anymore. He's up there sitting by the right hand of the Father. They're fellowshipping with one another. He could care less what's going on down here. But I sure want to get right because he's coming again. And it's as if there's a dormant period in there where there's no living, resurrected God. And that God, as you will see in the message this morning, is here right now in the person of the Holy Spirit. And when you leave this campus today, the Spirit of God is alive in every one of you that are believers. If you're not a believer, he is not alive. I'll show you in a moment. He is not alive in your life. And that is the reason that your life comes apart so easily and so quickly is because there is no awareness whatsoever. If you can get it dark enough or if you can get far enough away from where truth is, you can live any kind of life you want to live and everything is okay because the police don't know about it, the, the wife doesn't know about it, the husband doesn't know about it, the church doesn't know about it, my friends don't know about it, and you just live any way you want to and believe it. I'm going to get right with God because he's coming again one day. I want to show you what the scripture says about that. In just a few moments. 
None of us know anything. None of us know everything. All of us have limited knowledge. We're limited even on our most informed subjects. Now, I'm a preacher. People know I'm a preacher. They ask me all kinds of Bible questions. You know what they expect? Well, you're a preacher. Don't you know the Bible? I don't know all the Bible. Neither do you. Now, because some of us know something somebody else doesn't, we think we're smarter than they are. Because some of us are smart in some areas and dumb in the other areas. But you see, we look at people and we measure them against ourselves. And you know, even though we don't know everything about every subject, and even though we don't know as much as we think we know about what we're educated to know or what we're supposed to know, the truth of the matter is that in some areas it doesn't make any difference. But in some areas it makes all the difference in the world. If we don't know the truth about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to have eternal life and for the Spirit of God to live in us, we're in a heap of trouble. If we try to live a Christian life based on the do's and the don'ts of the commandments, we're in a whole lot of trouble. And if we believe that we are going to be judged according to our knowledge... And the more knowledge that we can get, the better off we are, uh, we're in trouble. That doesn't put down knowledge. It just says it will not replace what the Scripture teaches about Jesus being alive. At the top of my list at this time in my life about the Scripture, which I have studied all my life, and started memorizing when I was three or four years old. The number one thing, the most important thing, is the fact that Jesus is alive. He has risen from the grave. That covers every bad thought that I have, or every bad thing I think I'm going through. Yea, though I walk through the valley, and you can put the shadow of whatever you want to put in the subject, whether it's death or what it is, he is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He said before he went back to heaven, I'm going to leave with you my Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He will live in you until I return because you're going to need him every day. Now, whenever that pops up, everything I believe spiritually and everything I believe about the Bible hinges on the fact that Jesus is who he said he was. That he was in the beginning and he will be here in the revelation and he will never leave and he will never forsake us. And everything that I believe spiritually hinges on the spiritual, scriptural teaching of the Holy Scriptures concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who I am. What I do. What I believe. What happens when I die. It all hinges on the resurrection. It is either fact or it is fiction. Either Jesus did rise from the grave or he did not rise from the grave. If he did rise from the grave, it's not an Easter thought. It is an everyday experience. We sing those old songs, no, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, no, never alone. And yet many believers live every day of their life, believe they can get into situations where the world, act like the world, be like the world, be entertained like the world is, talk like the world, do what they do, and God doesn't care 
one iota about it. And there's zero conviction. And the reason there's zero conviction is because the Son of God, the resurrected Lord, through the Holy Spirit does not live in your life. If the Holy Spirit lives in your life, you have enjoyed your last sin. I've said that a thousand times from this pulpit. If you think sin is fun, you don't understand what sin is. I watched Weisskopf, Tom Weisskopf, and Faraday in the Golf Channel the other day. Both of them, at the top of their careers, had problems with alcohol. And both of them said to the golfing world, alcohol is a poison. It destroys you. And Weisskopf and Faraday gave their testimony without a church covering. It had nothing to do with Jesus. It had to do with the fact that Jesus is right, that wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whoever partakes thereof is not wise. I hope they listen to the golf channel if they don't listen to the scripture. Well, to understand the importance of the resurrection of Jesus, we must understand who we are, why we're here, and where we're going. So I want you to think with me for just a moment. We tend to believe that, that our bodies are... We're born and we die. And our life is birth to death. We're so many years old. It's appointed unto man once to die and we're going to die. But we think that we're a body with a spirit and a soul. But I want to call to your attention. And I brought this up in a sermon years ago. We're not a body with a spirit and a soul. We're a spirit with a soul and a body. From Genesis 1, the Spirit of God had plans for our life, according to the Scriptures. We are a spirit. You and God said in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. You may not know this. You say, well, God is a trinity. So are you. So am I. I'm body. I'm soul, and I'm a spirit, and so are you. One day, Jesus met a Samaritan woman at a well. She was confused about how she could know God and how she could worship God. She was just like people in Houston today, and she didn't know. She had heard all kinds of stuff, and she didn't know what to do, and here's what Jesus said to her in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth, not with the soul. You see, people that worship God with the soul come to church because of what they can get out of it. The soul needs to be fed. I've got this kind of style of meetings, this kind of style of music, this kind of style of preaching, this kind of style of programming. That's your soul. But the Spirit of God, we shouldn't be coming to church because of something that feeds our soul. We should be coming to church because the Spirit in, in us bears witness with His Spirit that we're child, our children of God and we're here to fellowship with the living, resurrected Lord Jesus. And to get reminded another time that God lives in our life. He is alive. He's okay. It's okay. I don't care what's happened to you this week. It's okay. You say, but I've been to court. And the judge said, let me tell you, he is the righteous judge. Okay? Jesus says, you got legal problems? You got health problems? 
He is the great physician. He can touch and heal you. He is not waiting for the doctor's procedure. He's just waiting to see what his plan is for your life. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. God's number one attribute is his spirit. It is the thing that goes from Genesis to Revelation is his spirit. And when we worship him in spirit, then we worship him in truth. You see, our main God-given attribute is our spirit. That's where we differ from the animals. Animals have all kinds of soulish needs. Animals have bodies. But they don't have the spirit. The spirit lives in us from the Holy Spirit if we're children of God. Our body is our tabernacle. 2 Peter 1.14, Peter calls his body, a, 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 excuse me, uh, Paul says uh, that our body is a tabernacle, but 2 Peter 1.14, Peter calls his body a tent. It's a tent. Then Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.1, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. What, what, what one is that? Spirit. It's a spirit. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That'll make you write a song like the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. You say, I'm just getting weak in my old age. And what? Well, I just can't do the things I used to do. You mean you can't commit the sins you used to, huh? Kind of, kind of mournful day and got to give up my sin. Just, just can't drink like I used to. Can't run around like I used to. Just don't have the energy I once had. But thank God I'm holding on. Well, all of us have testimonies that have to do with how, let me try to make my point on this thing about the spirit, that our spirit bears witness in, with his spirit that we're children of God. Let me tell you something. Do you know you have your marriage, you have a, a spiritual relationship with your mate? Your spirit tells you know what they're going to say before they even open their mouth. That's right, don't even say it, don't even say it. Well, I hadn't said anything. Yeah, but I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I didn't record it, I didn't write it down. How do you know? Because we're one. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're wanting to do. That's the reason I'm not going to ask you, because you're going to say no. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Well, that, that is the, the, the spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, 11, for what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? See, my spirit bears witness with his spirit and my spirit will bear witness with yours. If you're a believer and you've walked with the Lord and God is living in your life, when you get around believers, you begin to know you're around believers. There's something about it spiritually. It doesn't say, I'm saved, I'm super saved, I'm super saint, no. But it's something about the spirit, the gentleness, the kindness, the love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness. When you have a car wreck and you have to go out and talk to the person you've just tore their car up, you know right off if they're saved. Now, not if they're church members. <laughs> you can't tell one difference between a church member that's lost than a lost person never been to church when it comes to you just messed up my, my stuff. You just wrecked my new car. 
even though you have five years of payments left on it. You think it's your car already. The bank would like for you to know it ain't your car. It is not your car. The bank owns a car. But our spirit bears witness with his spirit, and that's called conviction. When a living God is living in you and you go to places that you shouldn't go and do things you shouldn't do, and if you enjoy those things, you are not a child of the resurrected living Lord Jesus whose Holy Spirit lives in you. It is not true. That's not a judgment call. That's a biblical fact. It is Christ in us that's the hope that our life will be lived like we ought to live it. Death is not when the physical body dies. It's when the spiritual body dies. You know, when, when our spiritual body died, when Adam sinned, when he sinned, it died. Well, how am I going to get it back? You must be born again. Well, how do you get born again? Peter asked the same question. Is it birth by water, physical birth? No, you must be born of the spirit. It's a spiritual birth. You got to be born again. You say, well, we go to church. I go to church all my life. In our church, we don't even know what that word means. You better find out what it means. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you're going to go to heaven because you go to a certain church or a certain denomination or have certain prayers or certain catechisms or certain doctrines or whatever. You'll go to heaven because Jesus lives in you. And the only way he's going to live in you is for your spirit to invite his spirit to come and live in you. And to do that, you must be willing to forsake all and to follow him. You remember what Jesus said in Luke 23, 46, when he's dying on the cross? He said to the Father, what? Father, into your hands, I commend my what? My spirit. You ever see a death certificate? We have several doctors sitting out there right now. They sign death certificates. When does that take place? When the body dies, right? You ever see a death certificate say, well, where's it put down here when the spirit dies? Because you see, when the body dies, medical science can keep your body going a long time. But medical science can do nothing to keep your spiritual life going. Only the great physician can do that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, you were present with the Lord when you were in your body. Now you can be present with the Lord when you're out of your body. And that spiritual life is going on and on and on and on. It is our spirit. It's in our spirit, I should say. That we have wisdom, Ephesians 1, 17. Listen to this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, listen to this, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but listen to what the spirit is. Love, power, and a sound mind. How do you know the Spirit lives in you? Behold how they love one another. Well, where does the power come over sin? How can you say no? I just can't say no. I get on these drugs and I just can't get off of them. I get off of them for a while and I'm right back in jail. How do you get off of them? Christ in you, or he that's in you, is greater than he that's in the world. All power is given to him in heaven and in earth. And he says, I will give you greater power. And I will be there with you to say no, no, no. Well, if you love me, you will. I love him more than I love you. And because I love him, I love you. And the answer is no. Because I'm not going to be a part of your sin. 
I'm not going to lead you into sin. I'm not going to be a partaker of your sin. I'm not going to participate in your sin. Cast me aside as Paul. He said, Demas has left me having loved this present world. Demas has forsaken me. You know, having loved this present world. If that's the way your friends go, you didn't have any friends to start with. But the Lord said, I'm not going to leave you. And I'm not going to forsake you. Natural mankind does not receive the things of God. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Let me read that again. You didn't hear that. Thanks be to God who always causes us that are believers to triumph in Christ and to makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every single place place Romans 1:20. for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without an excuse because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were they thankful but they became vain in their imaginations their foolish heart was darkened Professing themselves, listen to this, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Many a church is going down into the pit because they're being led by people that have so much education, they now believe that they can prove the Bible is not the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. When you start believing a lie, you will pay for it with the results of living a lie. When that scripture said, talked about how from the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen and how God has shown his eternal power, may I be personal for just a few moments. <clears throat> Beth and I left three weeks ago after a Sunday service. We went down to a place that we've loved for more than 50 years in South Texas. It's our hideaway. It's our place to get away from God, uh, from, from man, and get with God. <laughs> Sometimes people, if you've never been to South Texas, you might think God's not down there, but I'm going to try to prove it wrong. But 1966, God provided a little place that, uh, that I could go and she could go and retreat and be alone with God and and uh, God just has a way, when you get by yourself, of revealing himself. And uh, we have a, on the front porch there's a swing, and right in front of the swing there's a cactus now that's taller than my head. And I got it for Beth, it was about this tall, on the other side of Houston about 25 years ago. Well, it started budding, little white buds. Big deal for the girls. Okay, big deal, little white bud. She can't wait. She gets out of the car, she roasts her cactus. Never has there been more than nine blossoms or blooms or whatever you call them on this cactus. Never. Until we walked up or until she walked out to it on this trip and there were 51 blossoms that opened up the first morning that we were there. Now I love the wildlife. I love quail. Down in South Texas there's blue quail and there's bobwhite quail. For the last three years I have not seen one blue quail. Not one on the property. Not one. So I'm inside the house the next morning drinking a cup of coffee and I looked up and here comes a mama blue quail 
a papa blue quail and nine little bitty ones about that and looks inside the house. So now we're one up. She's had hers and I had mine. Well, she goes back out on the porch and the next thing she loves is hummingbirds. And a hummingbird came and just got right in front of her and just stopped. And uh, that meant a lot to her. I thought it was a mosquito. <laughs> but I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Beth slammed her finger in the door and we went to the emergency room and we're coming back from the emergency room. I was going to get back to my Bible study and knowing, after I've already told you, studying about the book and the, res the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It wasn't a good day spending time in the emergency room. You've been there, you know it's not. But I want to show you what she and I experienced together through four pictures. I've got dozens of them, but I'm, I picked four. I want you to look on the screen, and I want to show you as we were returning from the emergency room of the hospital, as we passed the First Baptist Church of Carrizo Springs. They haven't even seen this picture. But I stopped and for 15 minutes made pictures of that, and the sun moves even in South Texas. <laughs> but it just stayed there. Then we decided to go on and leave. I had the pictures I wanted, so we started on out to the little piece of property. I want you to see the second picture as we got halfway to the gate. I don't know what you see there, but I see a resurrected Lord with his hands coming out. And so, you know, I'm alive. I know you've been to the hospital. I know it's kind of ruined your time away, but I'm alive. So we went on out another two miles. We stopped and we pulled into the gate. And when we got to the gate, it was right in the middle of the gate and right over the top of our house. Well, by this time, it's beginning to get very emotional for both of us. The rays of the sun coming down, the silver lining on the clouds. I go in the house, let her in. They're showing on television that, that all of Mexico is coming over across the border. We're 28 miles from the border. We had one foreign exchange student come up into our yard on the first day. And... Um, So Beth went in the house and I went out to the back and I looked to the Mexican border which is 28 miles away. This is what I saw over the border of Mexico from the backyard of the house. While the news media was talking about all the political ramifications of all of this, it was just like I'm the God of Mexico, I'm the God of America, I'm the King of Kings, I'm the Lord of Lords, I'm in control. You do whatever you can, think however you want to, but it's gonna be my way, not your way, and I am risen, I'm alive, I am coming again, but I am the God of the heavens and I'm the God of the earth. I am King of Kings and I am Lord of Lords. And every one of us have to deal with the problem as I close. Adam was a body, a soul, and a spirit. His, when he sinned, his spirit died. The scripture says in Genesis 3, 4, the, the, the devil came. The Lord said, you eat that fruit, you're going to die. The devil came in the third chapter. He said, you're not going to die. Adam said, I'm going to believe the devil. Just a lot of us today. I'm going to believe the devil. So he ate the fruit. Well, did he die? Say, no, he didn't die. He kept on living because, you know, the wife and all this other stuff. You know, yeah, well, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Did he die? Yes, he did. He died spiritually. He died spiritually. And because he died spiritually, 1 Corinthians 15, says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ 
shall all be made alive. And in the book of Romans in the New Testament again, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Because Adam sinned, he died spiritually. And when he died spiritually, there's no way to get back right spiritually with God except through the new birth of Jesus Christ. By the shedding of blood, there is the remission of sin. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But when a person comes and is born again, and that's what takes place in that connection center, people are being born again. Their lives are being changed. And folks, that's the reason that they're filling the baptistry and the pond at the cross, bringing their families because the families is seeing the change is taking place when the Spirit of God comes back into a dead spirit that might be 12 years old, 20 years old, 40 years old, or 85 years old. And when that spirit comes in, there is life. And that life is an eternal life. And it will never, ever be taken away because it's been bought by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can play this church game all you want to play it. You can jump and hop to every church that, that likes what you like and don't like what you don't like and allows the sins that you like to participate in but doesn't tolerate the things that you can't stand. And you can play that game, but when it's all over with, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And if you are born again, the Spirit of God lives in you. And that ought to make you so happy. When the doctor says, you're going to die, you say, you don't know what you're talking about. If I leave this old body, I'm going to have a new body. And it'll never get sick again. All the doctors, when they get to heaven, are going to have to find something else to do. <laughs> and the same thing is true of preachers, doctors. Don't get mad at me. I've got to find me another job when I get to heaven. And I'm not doing too good at farming, I'll tell you that. But listen, do you know him? We've got to close. Do you know him? Do you know what another day is going to hold? I've got bad news for a lot of you. Your good works doesn't matter one bit. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah said, but we all are as an unclean thing and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. You're not going to get saved by your works. You're going to get saved by his spirit. And if you're too proud and you think that you can do it yourself, you'll get your chance to say, I made a terrible mistake. Because it's appointed unto man once to die. And the only thing that's going to matter, does the Spirit of God live in you? Now the Spirit is alive right now. He's here right now. Every person that's here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If he has targeted you today, his Spirit is convicting you right now. You need to respond to what you've heard. You need to be born again. You need to quit playing these games your friends are playing. A church or no church. And you need to be born again. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Except a man be born again, he will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 3. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Do you know him? Can you say, you ask me how I know he lives, he lives in my life. I don't know why my body is like it is. I don't know why my mind is like it is. I don't know why my health is like it is. I don't know why... My business is like it is. I don't know why my relationships with people are like they are. I don't know what that is. 
But one thing I do know, I know God loves me. I know he has a plan for me. I know Adam messed it up. And I know that it's not my nature to do good. It's my nature to do bad. We're born that way. But today, I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I want to ask him to become my Lord and my Savior. The perfect scenario today would be for you to come and give your heart to Jesus at this moment or step outside in the Connection Center in a second, pray with someone, then go to a Bible study class and stay and have lunch with us today and be reaffirmed in having made the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. So if you're here and you know that right in this place the Holy Spirit is dwelling, maybe you're watching on television, maybe you're listening by radio, but wherever you are, the Spirit of God is there. If he's convicting you at this moment, I encourage you to pray this prayer. Dear God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me in Jesus' name. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Come into my life. I need you. I want you. I'm willing to repent. And if you will come and live in me, my hands will become your hands, my mind, your mind. My position in life will be your position. I'll just be working for you out of my love for you because you first loved me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I'm willing to turn and follow you, living, resurrected Lord Jesus. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.